Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. Episode 19, I am your host, Andrew Gross. Find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And this is the back-to-work edition of Island Ice. The Islanders are going to come off a 10-day combined All-Star week or All-Star game and a bi-week break, a really needed in-season vacation. They were very exhausted going into the break. Uh, I know the players were talking about in the room on Thursday after their first, uh, you know, supervised team practice back, you know, how re-energized they are and and how much the break was needed for them. But I, I'll tell you what, they, they can't come out rusted uh, when they hit the ice again on Saturday against the Canucks because they are in a tight spot, even though... They are in the upper echelon in the league in terms of points. They are fighting off some teams uh, to maintain playoff position. And it's going to be an absolute dogfight right through uh, Saturday, through the end of the schedule uh, on April 4th when they host the Devils. That's a, a, a tight, compact 33 games over 64 days. Uh, 50, 15 games in 29 days in, in February. So, you know, they, they needed to get their rest in because there's really not going to be any the rest of the season for a team, like I said, that's really fighting off some, some sharp challenges to maintain uh, playoff position. You know, obviously the goal here is to not worry about the wild card and to finish, you know, one, two, or three in the Metropolitan Division. I think uh, we can all agree the Caps are going to finish first in the division, barring some unforeseen, you know, historic collapse here by this team. Uh, really, the Penguins, the Islanders, the Flyers, the Blue Jackets, uh, even the Hurricanes, they're, they're, they're the teams battling for that second and third spot. And, uh, you know, you want to get to second like the Islanders did last season so you can host uh, the first round of the playoffs. But really, you, you want to avoid a playoff spot having to play a first place team. Um, you know, not that the Penguins, if if it turns out the two three match in the Metro would be the Penguins or really any of those teams. You know, the Black Blue Jackets went into the break. Uh, I think they had won six straight, um, and, and the Flyers have been you know shown they've been a, a pretty resilient, tough team in their first season under Elaine Vigneault. Uh, the Hurricanes, as we know, you know match up well against the Islanders. Uh, you know, certainly in the playoffs last season. But like I said, you know, it, it, it's a condensed schedule, 33 games in 64 days. And I know, you know, how exhausted the players were going into the break. They had played seven games in 11 days and, uh, you know, what was it, 14 games since the holiday break, which was less than a month earlier. So, you know, look... I can only tell you how my body felt, and I'm certainly not on the ice every night, you know, getting pounded into the boards and everything, you know, I'm just sitting on planes and, you know, driving and, and you know, working through that, and, and, and I was exhausted, it was all I could do to get off the couch uh, for that week, you know, I was just, I was just resigned to sitting on my couch, that's all I wanted to do, that's, that's how, you know, mentally shot and physically exhausted I was, and like I said, I'm not a player, 
you know, I got a few years on these guys, but still, you know, it, it's not like I'm ready uh, for retirement or anything. What, what I'm saying is the Islanders' schedule this year, you know, it, it just feels like it's been, you know, a heavier one in terms of, you know, mentally breaking you down and getting you exhausted. So, uh, anyway, and, and, you know, these 33 games over 64 days, only three times do they get two days off in a row, and one time is after Saturday's game at Barclays. It's a Saturday afternoon game, then, uh, you know, no games uh, Sunday, Monday, and then the Stars come in Tuesday night. Um, You know, so that's one of your three consecutive days off. So after Tuesday, just twice do you have, you know, anything more than game, off day, game, off day, game, off day, a lot of back-to-backs in there. So, you know, like I said, the Islanders certainly need their rest uh, going in. I mean, I guess one bright spot is, uh, you know, after uh, this three-game homestand, which starts Saturday, the, the Islanders only have four games left in the regular season at Barclays. And then you heard Gary Bettman talking uh, during the uh, All-Star break about, you know, where the Islanders might wind up for the playoffs and his comments, which, you know, he, he says all the time about Nassau Coliseum not being a major league facility. So it certainly sounds like if the Islanders get past the first round of the playoffs this season, uh, th- there'll be more playoff games at Barclays, at least. And uh, Gary Bettman non-committal when it came to what might happen next season. But uh, Gary Bettman, no fan of uh, you know the facilities at Nassau Coliseum, never has been. Uh, has always advocated a new arena and the and the fact that the Coliseum was inadequate for NHL purposes. So uh, his stance has not changed on that. Um, uh, Barry Trotz was one of the guys, you know, you talk about me being exhausted. Uh, you could see, you know, after the January 21st game at Madison Square Garden, that's as annoyed and, you know, emotionally angry as I've seen Barry Trotz as Islanders coach. And not at the media. I mean, at the performance of his own players. And that was after a 4-2 win. You know, he didn't like the late penalties. Didn't like the fact that they couldn't hit an empty net. Was just, you know, you know, he benched Matthew Barzell in that game. And, uh, you know, Barry was just at the end of his uh, ropes. And, uh, you know, he kind of admitted that on Thursday uh, when practice is resumed, saying, you know, the first couple of days into the, uh, into that extended vacation, he didn't even think about hockey. And then you, you slowly work your way back into it and, uh, practice Thursday, practice Friday, game Saturday, and bang, you're, you're right back into the mix of it. But, you know, Barry Trotz is as honest as anyone saying he needed to step away. But as far as what you have to do when you step back, Barry Trotz had some thoughts on what the Islanders need to do coming out of the break as well. Yeah, well, that's, that's the same for virtually everybody. I, I think the, the biggest thing is coming off the bye week is try to get the rust off as, as soon as possible. I mean, our first opponent is a very good opponent in, in Vancouver. They're into their third game, and that'll be our first. And you look at uh, most of the teams that first first period, uh, first half of the game, you know, you, you, it takes a little while to get your you know, your time and space, your feel for how much pressure and, and being able to execute under pressure, all that. So um, maybe we're just going to try to knock the rest off if we can. And, and Barry Trotz also spoke, you know, this, this 10-day All-Star game bye week break mirrors the, uh, the, the break 
they had the Islanders had in the playoffs last season uh, between sweeping the Penguins and then getting swept by the Hurricanes. So Barry Trotz was asked, you know, the similarities or if it is, you know, it's similar at all having a 10-day break in the regular season or having a 10-day break in the playoffs. No, I, I think they're totally different in, in some ways. I mean, uh, the the 10-day break... Um, that we had uh, at that point uh, in the middle of the season, it was, you know, we just, you handle it and go. During the playoffs, it's a little different. You're still practicing, you're still doing that, but you're at a real critical stage. And I think you just lose a little bit of that, uh, I'll say, playoff bite or playoff intensity when you're sitting around waiting for the other team. And I thought we lost uh, just a little bit. And then we didn't, uh, I thought we played very well, as I said in the, in the playoffs, the first two games, and could have been up two nothing, and we just our execution was off just a just a hair, and then you end up, you know, digging yourself a hole and then getting swept. Barry Trotz also touched upon whether coming out of this break, the Islanders need to change anything in terms of their structure, or uh, you know the way they're playing, uh, you know possibly mixing up some defense pairs. I know at uh, Thursday's practice, a, a subtle switch, but uh, Trotz put Nick Letty back together with Johnny Boychuk and moved rookie Noah Dobson, who had been playing uh, with Boychuk, with Adam Pellick out for the rest of the regular season with an Achilles tendon. Dobson had been with Boychuk, and Letty had gone with Ryan Pulak, who had been playing with Adam Pellick. So uh, at Thursday's practice, and we'll see if this holds, but Noah Dobson was with Pulak and uh, Letty was back with Boychuk, who he's very familiar playing with. But uh, again, Barry Trotz was asked if there's anything in terms of structure that needs to change coming out of the break. I don't think there's anything in structurally. It's it's more of a mindset, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, we, we, were, we were tired. We were, I think we're physically and mentally a little tired, and we were doing tired things, things that don't, you know, that are out of character. The, the types of penalties, the non-execution late in games, just stuff that we're, weren't committed to or, or you're just tired and, and not sharp at. And uh, we just get our sharpness back, play, play our game, and everybody contributing. I, I think the one thing that uh, difference, say, from the early part of the year uh, and now is we've had – I think early everybody was contributing. Every line had pieces of, of contribution, and then we sort of went flat with a couple lines, and and we're, we're not deep enough in, in to just rely on one line where they can carry us. We just we're just not built that way. So we just need everybody playing at their at their capabilities, and and we'll get it structurally and all that. They're a pretty committed group that way. Now, obviously, as the Islanders get into February, the date that looms over everything will be February 24th, which is the NHL trade deadline. And, you know, it's no secret, you know, what Islander fans want or what people around the league are seeing, which is that the Islanders need some scoring help. And with with Adam Pellick out, they might need some help uh, in terms of getting in a veteran defenseman too. 
Um, and all eyes are upon President and GM Lou Lamarillo at this point after he essentially stood pat in resigning his own players, his own unrestricted free agents uh, last season. And, you know, Brock Nelson and uh, Jordan Eberle. But, you know, he doesn't, other than Derek Broussard and, you know, obviously Robin Leonard leaves and uh, he brings in Semyon Varlamov. Um, you know, and, and I'm, of course, forgetting he resigns the captain, Anders Lee. Sorry, Anders. Um, but, you know, you, you bring your three, you know, skater UFAs back. You let your uh, Vesna Trophy finalist goalie go out the door. You bring in Semyon Varlamov. And you bring in Derek Broussard, you know, presumably as a third-line center, and we've been over this. He's more of a second-line right wing. He's more of a third-line center. They can't find a spot that works perfectly for him and Josh Bailey. So, you know, all eyes, like I say, are upon Lou Lamarillo as to what he does here. He stood pat at last year's trade deadline. Um, but last season, you know, let's face it, was the Islanders were more of a surprise and they were playing better going into the trade deadline. Now, you know, the, the Islanders certainly have time in February to go on a streak heading into the trade deadline. But, you know, since Thanksgiving, it, it, they've been essentially, you know, closer to 500. Um, and that's not good enough. That's not going to get them into the playoffs. Uh, they need to, uh, you know, we no one expects them to reel off 15-0-2 uh, point streaks all the time. But, you know, they, they need to go, you know, on these 7-2-1 and one runs. Uh, instead of going six six and two, if you know what I mean. So, like I say, all eyes upon uh, uh, Lou Lamarillo as to what he does here. Um, I know him and Barry Trotz and the players are a big fan of the uh, you know the team's chemistry as it is. Um, but I, I think Lou Lamarillo. My my take on this is that Lou Lamarillo will wind up making a deal. I think he recognizes the need here. Uh, but we'll see, you know, um, making trades is not always the easiest thing. And, you know, uh, at the trade deadline with so few sellers compared to, you know, how many buyers, how many teams think they can make a playoff push. It's always a, a seller's market, which means you're going to pay high for maybe some players you wouldn't want to pay that high for. And, uh, you know, two players, I know everyone's focused on Pajot with the, uh, with the Senators is kind of the big name out there. And certainly Chris Kreider of the Rangers uh, is a name out there. But uh, two two others to, to pay some attention to. Uh, Los Angeles Kings' uh, Tyler Toffoli, uh, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. His expiring deal uh, carries a cap hip. Cap hit of $4.6 million. Uh, he's 27 years old, a right-hand shot. He's got 13 goals and 15 assists in 51 games. And uh, is he someone you could plug into your top six? Y- you might be able to. And, and another guy to keep an eye out, and he's not a UFA. And, you know, sometimes Lou likes the players that he can keep under control a little bit more. But Jason Zucker of the Wild who's 28. He's got 14 goals, 14 assists, and 40 games this season. Um, He's a left-handed shot. Now, the Zucker does have a modified no-trade clause per capfriendly.com. He can submit a list of 10 teams 
to which he does not want to be traded. And he's only in the second season of a five-year, $27.5 million deal uh, that goes through 2023. Uh, that's an AAV of 5.5 mil per season. So, you know, that's, that's a commitment right there if you try and bring Zucker in. But uh, again, you know, uh, just wandering through the league, uh, two names to uh, keep an eye out for as we head towards the February 24th trade deadline. And, uh, you know, as we head into February, as I say, 15 games in 29 days. Barry Trotz talked about this uh, before the break even, that, you know, he's going to have to go back to more of a shared net between Varlamov and Thomas Grice uh, rather than, you know, at one point, uh, Semyon, I, I believe it started seven of eight games you know, there had become a clear Varlamov as the starter Grice as the backup uh, model. And I think, uh, you know, at least from what Barry is saying, Barry is going to get away from that and go back to more of a shared load, just out of nothing more than necessity, uh, even though, you know, Grice was playing pretty good going into the break. Um, and maybe Varlamov, after, you know, a few really, really good games, you know, he had kind of got weighed down under, uh, you know, the way the whole team was playing. So, uh, but Barry Trotz again addressed uh, the goaltending situation after Thursday's practice. And uh, here are his thoughts on how that's going to break down going forward. No question. Uh, you look at, I think we've got 33 games in like 64 or 65 nights, something like that. So, yeah, there's no way we can we can do that. That's That should be an advantage to us, uh, that we can, we can go with... Uh, pretty well uh, any goaltender and, and keep them fairly fresh and that might be the difference of you know a point here a point there and uh, I think it's going to be a point here or a point there that'll get you in or keep you out in, in a, without giving away the rotation do you see it kind of reverting back I, I to can't the give it, I can't give it to you in a way right now <laughs> yeah uh, I don't have it in my head right now and with that we're going to uh, keep the show moving along I uh on Thursday, I had a nice uh, sit down, you know, probably talk to him without the tape machine on longer than I did, you know, when I was actually doing a formal interview, just because he's a, you know, an interesting guy to chat with. And we, we talked a lot about, you know, his travel and, and also, you know, his wedding plans coming up and, and all that stuff, just kind of catching up. But uh, defenseman Scott Mayfield uh, did a sit down interview with him. And uh, that would be next. And uh, after that, we'll get to uh, you guys had a lot of questions on Twitter this week. So probably a lengthy Andrew's answers. But first, we'll hear from Scott Mayfield. Sitting here with Scott Mayfield and it's back to work time. Team is back on the ice and looking forward to a a huge slew of games in in compressed time. And can, can you even think of the big picture, or do you really have to compartmentalize when there's so many games in a short amount of time through the end of the season? Yeah, I think, you know, it's you think of it one game at a time, one shift at a time, one period, all that stuff. But uh, the big picture is it's the home stretch. Um, this is where you really uh, need to separate yourself into a playoff spot and make sure you hold on to that spot all the way to the end. Um, and that's, I think, we're ready for it. We, we've talked a little bit about the team's struggles, you know, pretty much, I guess, dating to Thanksgiving almost. But how do you see this team positioned here for the playoff push? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're in the top three in the conference, you know, or in the division, you know, it's uh, 
I think you're in a good spot going into break and then coming back from break holding that spot. Um, you know, if you really look at it, we got a couple games in hand too on a couple teams. So I, I don't think you can complain about the spot. It just uh, it's just a little weird because it almost feels like we slipped a little bit the past month, month and a half, two months, whatever it is has been um and it feels weird that we still hold that spot but we do and you know that's the standings and that's really what matters in the end Uh, i know you told me before we started this that you had traveled during the break when do you start itching to play because i mean you know as an athlete that's your daily routine is playing right being on the ice how how much is a good break and when do you really start going nuts that there are no games yeah i think uh for this break i think i needed an extra day or two just (laughs) because of how the last game ended um but yeah i mean i would say a couple days is nice i would say christmas is probably the three-day break at christmas is really nice but you always i mean I, i i love coming to the rink you know seeing the guys i love playing hockey i mean that's my that's my dream in life that's what i've always want to do so it doesn't feel like a job it feels like you know what we're <laughs> having fun um so yeah coming back isn't isn't a bad thing at all I, I think the break's good i think physically getting the rest mentally getting the rest um you know you look at basketball for example they will rest guys night to night yeah they will take time off sit their best players and hockey you can't do that like you 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 can't sit barzy for a night we can't sit some of the best guys for nights just because the parody in the league like you can't take a night off where you're not you don't have a chance in that game so um you know we need that we need that break and it's a good break but i think you start itching after a couple days for sure is it you know i know you can't do anything about the schedule you're coming off a, a long break vancouver and the teams i think you're playing they haven't had the break is is there an advantage one way or the other um I don't think there's an advantage. You know, we we're, some years you're in a better spot. Some years you feel like you're not in the, as good of a spot. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. There, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, you can only control what what you can control, and you know you just got to go out there and do your best. I uh, I do think uh, I think the league I'm sure tries the best they can to make it as even as possible because, like I said, the parity in the league, the games are just that intense. Every game is that close pretty much anymore. So um, you look at, like, starting the season, There's sometimes teams play one or two games your first game. Um, I think Washington played before us, so that was our first game. Their second, you look at coming back from Christmas, um, kind of all those situations. And you know what? There's sometimes where you feel uh, really good about it. There's times where guys don't feel good about it, but there's nothing you can do. It doesn't matter. It's It's... A hockey game it's what we're getting paid a lot of money to do and you just got to go out there and do your best yeah, I think a difference between you and me during the break I sat on my couch and I think there's still a big imprint on the couch because I was exhausted I didn't move yeah that's not true for you right you like the travel <laughs> yeah yeah travels uh travel we try to take a big trip at least once a year in the off season and during the break it's nice to try to get out and um me and uh my fiance Emily we went to Iceland uh it's funny saying that people kind of look at you and think it's really hard to get to and oh it's like snowy and why'd you do that it's pretty much the same weather as here and it's not a bad flight over there and you know it's just a really beautiful country we, we had a really good time spent like four days there and got back in time for optional skates and get right back into it which uh what are some of your favorite countries you've been to and is it different when you go as a player you know and you, you have to concentrate on practices and and games and when you just go as a tourist yeah i haven't played much overseas yeah. I, you know i've been to czech republic slovakia we played one tournament yeah. um and then other than canada obviously but uh 
No, I haven't played much hockey overseas. And yeah, I mean, when I went overseas to play that tournament, it's a lot different. You're, yeah. you're not doing much tourist stuff. We went to Bratislava a day, and that was a really cool yeah. city. I was younger, though, too, so I didn't understand yeah. really what travel can do. And uh, that, That's where my family's from. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. It's a beautiful city. Yeah. It was really cool. But like I said, I was younger, so I, I didn't understand what travel can do for someone. You know, for me and Emily, it's a huge part of our life. We love it. Um, I would rather travel always than spend money on clothes or anything else. So, you know, creating memories, um, photography, stuff like that. Just what you can do over there and just seeing different cultures, trying different foods, all that stuff. It's always been uh, pretty important to us. So um, definitely when you go for leisure, it's a little more enjoyable. Um, You know, I I was lucky enough, my brother being in the military, he's stationed overseas. So he was in uh, South Korea one summer. We went there, went to Vietnam with that trip. And then he's been in Italy the past three years. So we've gotten to go over to Europe and seen a bunch of Italy. Um, So we we got to see family over there too, which is really nice because I don't get to see them much. So it's uh, I know travel is a big part of our life, and we, we just love doing it. Yeah, you got to do it before the kids, though, right? <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah, we're getting married this summer, and then uh, we'll have to decide uh, how quickly you want to try. No for pressure. That. I don't it's, mean to. I hate it when relatives <laughs> do that to me. <laughs> we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to make a tough decision there because you know that yeah. takes away some of your freedoms. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a, like a bucket list of country or countries that you haven't been to that you really want to see? Yeah, I mean, I have a long list. You, you know we haven't hit a ton of countries because we don't have a ton of time right we only have the four months in the off season hopefully shorter um and it's also hard to plan a trip because you don't you never plan a trip in june obviously yeah, yeah. you only plan trips in july and august for the and, most and, part. and most of the players uh, are back by mid-august anyway yeah and then you want to come yeah. back so you know uh we got the honeymoon this year we want to go to somewhere tropical just because we did all-star break kind of yeah. cold um so we're looking at some of the different islands stuff like that uh the maldives always comes up yeah. when we're looking there um, all over Europe too. You know, you can do you can do so much in Europe just jumping around. Mm-hmm. We're both big golfers, so uh, Ireland, Scotland, all those links courses, uh, yeah. I think would be really cool. Um, and then when we travel, we we like we meet a bunch of other people. We're pretty social people, and whether you're just out at a bar or we we took a cruise, not not cruise, more just got on a boat in Greece and Vietnam, and we met Australian couples, and you know they're some of the nicest people I've ever met. So I think Australia would be the next uh, next big one I'd love to go to, and really all over. They, you look everywhere has something to offer, even if it's freezing cold. It's got something really cool to offer, whether it's really hot. A safari would be, I think that's definitely up there on the list as well we actually looked at that for the honeymoon too so uh, a lot of options you know it's that's the thing about travel it's almost never ending Um, it's a big world (laughs) it's almost never ending you can do unlimited stuff pretty much i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you you know how how is the season going for you how is your game you know what were you hoping to improve coming into this season and you know where, where do you grade yourself right now um i think it's been pretty good you know i knew um I, th- I was hoping I would get a little more ice time against top lines, and you know, with Pelly going down, especially, I think that's happening, and that was. Uh, one of my goals was to just keep earning trust in the coaching staff and my teammates, knowing that I can shut down some of the best players. Um, PK, take it to another level. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know where we stand right now after that Ranger game, but, you know, that's something I take pride in. So I wanted to make sure I was there blocking shots, hard in the corners, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I think I did a lot of reflecting on my game personally just because of how the last game ended going into break. Uh, I'm pretty upset about that. So just uh kind of remembering some of the good stuff that's happened this year and you know the points are up there um the points are on pace for 
kind of one of my better years on pace for at least my average, which is always important. And um, well, career high in goals. Career right? high in goals, yeah, yeah, yeah. So points points are coming pretty well. Um, so yeah, like I'm happy with the game. I mean, my biggest thing is just winning games. So I, I think. You know, it doesn't it doesn't really feel like we're sixth in the league or whatever we are right now. Uh, for whatever reason, whether that's just seeing stuff on Twitter or just seeing stuff written, I, I don't know why that feeling isn't there, but, you know, it has just bounced around a little bit over the past month and a half, two months. And, you know, we want to get back to where we were at coming out of that long run, Thanksgiving time or whatever that was, because that's when you have that confidence, when you're just coming to the rink every day, that's when you're going to be playing your best. All right. Hey, Scott, I appreciate all the time and all the best second half or whatever it is, the second last third of the yeah. season. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and thanks again to Scott Mayfield for uh, talking about a wide wide range of uh, subjects there and uh, always good sitting down with him. A very, very easy guy to chat with. I know you probably hear me say that a lot about uh, these Islanders players, but it, it really is a a good room to go around and, uh, you know, every player, you know, you can chat with any one of those guys in there. And, and Scott Mayfield just has a really interesting background and a really interesting uh, outlook on life and uh, best wishes and best of luck to him and his fiance and uh, uh, to their future. And uh, speaking of future, uh, the future is now. It's time for some Andrews Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrews Answers. I appreciate it more and more each week, the the great response you guys give uh, when I put the uh, uh, the call out for some uh, Twitter questions, comments. You always keep it coming and uh, keep me in business here. So thank you very much, and we'll uh, get right to it. And uh, uh, series regular, there are a few of them here right at the start. Uh, Cordup says, Noah Dobson still looks like he's gaining his legs in the NHL. Some good play, some stupid decisions, too. Not to be hard on the kid, but any chance we also see Aho or someone else, possibly Hickey, when healthy, play a game in the near future. And thank you for using the uh, the Bell Let's Talk hashtag. If uh, you didn't know about it, uh, uh, yesterday or this week was Bell Let's Talk Day, and that's always you know uh, supporting uh, those who deal with uh, mental illness and you know uh there there are more of those than probably they even let on so uh i know everyone's been affected by that and uh, bell does a great job of uh, donating to the cause as far as uh you know dobson right now is part of the top 6 and he's going to get the bulk of the games but they did bring sebastian aho up Right after the break, he's practicing with the team. Um, it would not shock me uh, to see Aho and and yes, Hickey went healthy. Um, I I don't think the, the the six defensemen you're seeing in the lineup right now. I don't think they're going to play every single one of these final 33 games. There there are going to be small variations. And, and let's face it, you know, uh, the, the the Islanders have been you know knock on wood somewhat lucky you know, with, with longer term injuries. And I know that sounds crazy with, uh, you know, Cal Clutterbuck still out indefinitely and, uh, Adam Pellick, uh, you know, lost for the year, but, uh, you know, the abuse, the defensemen put on their bodies, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you're just thankful after every game that they all come through. Okay. So, uh, you know, the chances of seeing Aho uh, or, or Hickey when healthy, I, I would say those are pretty good, uh, between now and the end of the season. And, uh, also, 
show regular old school Mountie says we're a little more than three weeks and 12 games from the trade deadline. Uh, I'll trust your math. Uh, you know me with math. Uh, Lou always says, and yes, he does, quote, if you have time, you use it. And uh, Lou absolutely will will say that for just about any question you ask him. Uh, uh, old Mounties, old school Mounties question is, does he use all 12 games to better evaluate the team's trajectory before making or not making a trade? Um, well, uh, I, I think if the trajectory is uh, pointed downward, uh, it's, uh, you know, this is not rocket science answer here, but if things do not go well for the Islanders coming out of this break, uh, i.e. they continue to not score regularly, you know, the power play is still an issue, um, you know, another defenseman, you know, goes down, something like that. I, I don't think Lou uh, would be beholden to, you have to wait until the Feb 24th trade deadline to, to do a deal. I, I think if he can swing something that makes sense to him beforehand that will help the team, I, I, I could see him doing that. I, you know, oftentimes all those deals are made right at trade deadline time because, you know, every it's like a giant game of chicken and every team is waiting to see what the other one does and waiting to see which way the market goes in terms of prices. So that's why, you you know, you get those last-minute rushes. But, uh, you know, if Luke can find good value out there and if he determines, and, and you know, again, you know, I'm not in Lou's head, but I, I got to figure, you know, uh, however many games we're into it right now, is it uh, 49, 48? 50, you know, right around there, and this is around the league, uh, you know, I, I think Lou has a pretty good sense, and I, I'm sure Barry has a pretty good sense of what they have in their team. So are these 12 games going to swing them one way or another? I I, I can't say a giant swing. I, I think they have some pretty solidified ideas of where they are and how good they can be or how good they might not be. So uh, I don't see him necessarily using all 12 games to better evaluate this team at this point. Um, And another regular here, Adam Papadoulias, as I get better and better each week, says, since Lou Lamarillo is secretive about his moves, can the team ownership make a statement about the status of the team uh, and he puts this in quotation marks. Hey, we are in a rebu- rebuild until Belmont is done, end quotes. Or, and the quotes start again, we are going to make a push and good things are coming, end quotes, instead of avoidance and secrecy. Well, I, if you know Lou Lamarillo, and I, I understand Lou Lamarillo is not the owner of the team, but, you know, one of the conditions Lou set when he agreed to come to the Islanders was things were going to be run his way. And one of Lou's ways are there are two people that speak for the organization, that being Lou and the head coach. You notice the assistant coaches don't talk, associate coach Lane Lambert doesn't talk. We don't get to talk to, you know, uh, some of the guys in player personnel. Um, you know, and and to an extent, now Scott Malkin is not a guy that typically gets up in front of the cameras anyway. That that's not what he's comfortable with. John Ledecky of the ownership group is kind of the the front person in terms of media. Um, but you know, John respects Lou's 
lose direction as to you know, media access. Um, I'm not saying that these are the laws I love, but you know, I'm just trying to explain exactly, and it goes back to the devils, exactly how Lou prefers running an organization. So as far as ownership coming out and saying, hey, we are in a rebuild till Belmont or we are going to make a push, ownership is not going to say that. And to be honest, Lou would never say that either because to be honest, Lou does not, you know, this is going to sound like Captain Kirk in that Star Trek movie, but Lou does not accept the uh, rebuilding scenario. There, there are no rebuilds here. You know, he, he thinks each year should be a chance to do something, you know, with the team and get to the playoffs. And, and he's not into five-year rebuilds or anything like that. So th- you, you will never hear that out of a Lou Lamarillo organization. Lou will talk. He is good about talking, you know, and Lou, <laughs> Lou is good about talking. You can always, you know, call him up and try and arrange an interview with him and he'll call you back. Um, but Lou is also very good about, you know, holding everything close to his chest and, uh, you know, not divulging inf- information even via interviews. So, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to come out and say we are going to make a push. Uh, he's going to, uh, you know, do what he sees fit. And, and to be honest, I, I I think, you know, push comes to shove. I I think Lou sees this team as a team that can do, you know, some damage in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can uh, add to the roster because, you know, you you heard Mike Bossy say it when when I talked to him about the team a couple episodes back, you know, scoring is an issue and he hopes... You know, Mike Bossy talking here, you know, he hopes something can be done. And I think, you know, that's pretty much what everyone in the NHL sees, that this is a pretty, pretty good team that does need a little bit of roster help. And I think Lou sees the same thing. See, Brian G says, uh, until the deadline, could you see Michael Dalcall getting a chance to play with uh, 29 and 18? And that, of course, is Brock Nelson and Anthony Beauvillier again. Seems like they had some chemistry before he got hurt in December. Uh, a, a little bit of chemistry there. Um, but with this team not scoring, I, I think Barry, you know, has to give his you know, his forwards the best chance at creating uh, some more goals. So right now with 29 and 18, I really see either 10 or 12, and that would be Derek Broussard or Josh Bailey, who seem to be interchangeable between second-line right wing and uh, third-line center right now. Um, you know, Michael Dalcal just has to prove that the, he can provide more offensive production. You know, he's a good grinder. He'll he'll go into the corners and he'll you know he'll work his butt off. But uh, you know, the chances that he does get, he needs to convert more of, and he needs to create more chances for himself to to get a you know a, a top six opportunity. Right, you know. Uh, a top six opportunity. And, you know, I, I'm not sure that's his future in the NHL. Uh, you know, still very young, you know, relatively. But uh, I, I don't know if that, you know, if he pans out or projects out like that in the NHL. Um, Thomas Boyle, again, thank you, uh, Thomas. Uh, with this draft class being very deep this year, do you see anyone parting with their first round pick before the trade deadline, and yeah, uh, someone always will 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 bite. You know, a team that's you know 
uh, Pittsburgh, you know, you, you, you hear, you know, rumblings that maybe Chris Kreider could wind up in, in Pittsburgh and, and would Jimmy Rutherford give up a, a first round pick to uh, get Chris Kreider in for, you know, a month and a half. And, uh, you know, Trader Jim, I, I, I could see him doing that for sure. Um, but yeah, I, as some team is going to part and probably a couple of teams are going to part with the first round pick before February 24th, Johnny pajamas. Um, Hey, Andrew, have you heard the rumors of the Islanders playing the wild in next year's classic being the winter classic? What are the chances of this? I personally think it doesn't make sense for the league. Um, and I will go back to, you know, the the, the Winter Classic is such a, a you know, a made-for-TV event as well. Um, and, and NBC is going to have a huge say in it. And, you know, I, I keep saying and I keep hearing that the Islanders just do not move the NBC uh, needle much, if at all. Um, you see that, you know, just in general with how many national broadcasts the Islanders get. Um, I... I, I I'll be honest, I, I don't see uh, an Islander Wild game being really sellable uh, on NBC's part or, or something they perceive would be sellable. So I, I would, I, I'd probably say that's not very likely. Um, a. Aaron <laughs> um, says, are you happy with our current defense? If not, what would you suggest doing? Um well, uh, you know, obviously, you know, and again, you know, Noah Dobson is learning the NHL and there's a learning curve and he just turned 20 and he probably really should be in the AHL this season. But, you know, he's getting more comfortable. Um, you know, I, I would think, you know, and you you see it in the time on ice. Barry is still not consistently trusting Noah Dobson with, you know, with the regular minutes that he was spreading across the top six when Adam Pellick was healthy. Um, so that puts a little bit more of a burden on the, uh, you know, on the, on the five veterans, if you will. So yeah, to me, you know, the, the, the solution there, you know, and, you know, given that Thomas Hickey has been hurt, um, the, the, the solution to me would be trying to bring in a defenseman, um, uh, you know, maybe a, a lefty here um, to to see if, you know, you could slot him in. And I know we've brought this name up, but, you know, could Lou, uh, you know, could he bring in a guy like Andy Green, uh, you know, his old devil's guy? And I know, you know, some of you are going to, you know, recoil a little bit because Andy, I think, is, you know, not looking at his bio right now. I think he's 36, somewhere in that range. But if you're talking about, a, you know, uh, you know, three weeks of the regular season or, you know, five weeks of the regular season, however long the, uh, the playoff push is, you know, Andy is still a, a pretty smart guy. Um, you know, he's, he's still got some game left. Uh, I know the devils have been a mess this season, but I, I think in uh, you know, a short burst, Andy green could improve the team a little bit. Um, let's see. Uh, Isles Mets fan says, any chance of a Cole Bardreau, Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, Josh Hosang call-up? Um, I assume you you mean any one of those, not all four together. Um, <laughs> I, I I still think you know, and, and you know, if you get past the trade deadline, and let's just say that Lou has not been able to bolster the scoring 
uh, through the trade deadline, then I, I think it, it does, you know, behoove them to take a peek and see, you know, particularly Wallstrom or Bellows, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure where they are with Josh Hosang. It's been a weird season for Josh Hosang. Uh, you know, he can bring some offense, um, but, you know, does the organization trust him? Uh, you know, so, but yeah, I, I would think from, you know, from Bridgeport, if you can't get a deal done, you, you do look to Bridgeport for some scoring. And, you know, if, if Casey Sezikis ever went down, I, I think Cole Bardreau is a, is a guy who steps in there. Um, Doc Ed says, I hear people talk about the Islanders locker room being very quote unquote tight. Is it really a tighter room than some other locker rooms? You've had the opportunity to work with a number of different teams. What do you think? Um, and yeah, Doc Ed, I, I really do see it. You know, um, it, it, it's hard to, you know, if you're not inside the room to really, oh, you know, what, what does that mean? You know, all hockey players like each other, but, you know, there there are some rooms, uh, you know, I, I heard of one room, uh, in the NHL, I think it was last season, two seasons ago, that was split down uh, political divisions, or much like our country is right now, and, and the team did not do well. Um, this is a tight group. You know, guys still, you know, so, uh, during the break, a, a bunch of players went off to Arizona together. You know, uh, some of the singular, singular, listen to me, some of the single guys, you know, uh, are, are, are hanging out together. So, yeah, I, I, I do see it as tight. I mean, you know, I, I, there have been some rooms, you know, and obviously I covered the, the Rangers for a longer period. You know, I, I, I was in that room pretty much, you know, from 03 through, uh, was it 16? Uh, the end of the 15-16 season. Um, some teams were much tighter than others. Uh, you know, I remember... You know, Hank used to have his running buddies on the team, and then, you know, his running buddies were suddenly not there, and, you know, the room didn't seem as tight anymore. And, you know, uh, you know, there, I remember, you know, the, the Aramir Yager, you know, the 05 06, that was an incredibly tight year, uh, you know, because, you know, Glenn Sather and, and Tom Rennie just imported so many Czech players to make Yags feel that comfortable. And, and it worked, you know, but uh, there, there are some years where you just didn't have that feeling, um, you know, not to say there were fights in the room, but you, you just didn't feel the brotherhood you do, you know, I mean, certainly when I started covering the Rangers, they were a mess, you know, uh, the 0203 season and, you know, I heard stories about that room uh, beforehand and, you know, uh, the couple of seasons I was in the Devils' room, I, I thought that too was a, a pretty tight room. You know, uh, guys liked each other, hung out, that type of stuff. But you know, as far as you know, on the tightness scale, I, I would say you know this is not BS. These, these Islander players really do enjoy playing with each other and play better as a result. So um, let's see, Greg Rosardo says, do you see Lou making a trade to help improve the lack of depth scoring on this team? Yes, in a word, I, I do. Um, San Tantleff says, do you think Ryan Getzloff could be a trade target? I, I believe he's owed $8.25 million this year, and, and that is correct, and next. But he would be quite the upgrade at third-line center and may not cost a lot at 34. Ryan Getzloff 
it does have a no movement clause in his contract, and he's spent his entire career uh, in Anaheim. So I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure you could convince him. Uh, you know that that the Islanders might be the the right place for him. That's really uprooting him. And he is 34. He turns 35 on May 10th. Um, and he is at 8.25 for the rest of this season and next. And I do agree that, you know, he is, if the Ducks do try and move him, you're probably not looking, you know, you're certainly not looking at a first rounder. I, I don't think, you know, you might even be able to get by with a, you know, a prospect and a third rounder or something like that. I'm not an NHL GM, just spitballing. Um, that's, you know, even if Anaheim, take some money, you know, back on the deal. And then, of course, if they do, you probably have to throw in a better prospect um, or a higher draft pick. But, you know, right now, through 48 games, Getzloff is at 11 goals and 22 assists. And last year, he had 14 and 34. Um, Obviously, you know, what was it? His last really, you know... Well, I shouldn't say that. In 17-18, he had 11 goals, 50 assists. And, you know, you would love a, a third-line center who could dish out 30 or 50 assists. That's, of course, you know, Getzloff has been a top-liner, you know, top six with the uh, Ducks. So it would be a different role for him. He'd have to adjust. Uh, it wouldn't be his team anymore. Um, you know, he's used to ruling the roost. Um I would like a guy in at less than 8.25 uh, for sure, uh, just because, uh, and we've discussed this, you've got a lot of deals coming up, notably Matthew Barzell, Ryan Pulak, and Devontae's um, that are going to cost you. Um, so, you know, that, I, I don't know if you want to give that huge a slice of the pie to a guy when when you have contracts coming up, but... Uh, You know, I agree, you know, all things being equal, he would improve the team. Uh, Let's see. Um, Where are we? Uh, Yes, Michael Kilnick, or as close to that as I, I'm sorry, Michael. Michael enjoys Island Ice Podcast, and I appreciate that. And he is an Islanders fan living in Winnipeg. Um, I like it when you interview writers or PXP guys um, and that would be play-by-play guys from other cities. Is that something you can continue doing? And uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I certainly, you know, if I can record something, like I, I really enjoyed the sit-down I did with Shannon, and, uh, you know, when we got to Pittsburgh, I really enjoyed talking to, uh, you know, Steve Mears, an old Islanders guy. I, I always want to have at least, you know, some kind of Islanders tie-in, this being an Islanders podcast that would only make sense, right? Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, uh, you know, try and do that. And, you know, it, it's become a little tight circle and when I go down to, uh, Tampa I'm on, you know, another writer's podcast, you know, so we, we all try and help each other out. And, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely look to do more of that in the future. And I appreciate it. Um, Mark Beck says post-game locker room scrums. Is there a set order for which players you writers go to after games to ensure the players don't have to answer the same question 10, t- 10 times? If so, who decides the order? Or is it a total free-for-all? How does that process work? And uh, yeah, it, it's a little bit of chaos theory in there. Um, 
usually, you know, when, when the locker room opens, um, you know, if there's a certain player that you definitely need something from, you usually try and get that person first. Um, but, you know, I would say, you know, in general in the Islanders room, you know, Anders Lee talks almost, you know, after every game. And I think a lot of cameras naturally go to him as the uh, as the uh, uh, the captain. But there, there are scrums around, you know, you know, probably two or three scrums going on at once. Uh, as the players stand in front of their you know their locker stalls, you know, for me Ryan Pulak is always a good guy to talk to post game. I think he's very analytical, uh, very honest about what happens. Um, usually, there's not a huge scrum around him, so I can get to him. Uh, on, on most teams, you know, talking to the starting goalie, you know, win or lose is is almost a natural. I mean, you know, obviously my my years with the Rangers, Hank would talk after, you know, every game uh, that he played. Um, With the Islanders, it's not that, you know, Semyon Varlamov or uh, Thomas Grice are not accessible. You you can pretty much talk to them. It's just they, they're not, you know, kind of natural spokesmen for the team. So a lot of times, you know, they, they, they'll sit around a little bit and no one will go over and, you know, they, they'll get out of the room. And, and players, it's different. I mean, when, you know, not to sound geezerish, but, you know, when I first started covering the NHL, players hung out in the room uh, or in the players lounge, which you then had, you know, back then you had access to, uh, you know, I remember watching, you know, uh, the start of, uh, was it the second Iraq war, uh, in the Rangers player round, lounge with Brian Leach, his, his brother was in the military. So he kind of sat around or stood around in the players round lounge, kind of being very, you know, it was a nervous moment. I, I do remember that, but, uh, th- that doesn't happen anymore. The, the interviews are confined to the uh, public, if you will, dressing room area, and the players always have a back room where they they get to, and you know they can dress if they want. But um, I, I no one reporter decides you know which player to go to. A lot of times, what'll happen is reporter A, uh, say me, you know, will go up to say Matt Martin. Um, you know, I'll start chatting with Maddie about the game, and then you know. TV crews will see that Matt Martin's talking and, you know, all of a sudden the TV crews come around and and they get in on that and then all of a sudden there's a scrum. But, um, you know, it, it, it is interesting. You, you do, even though it's very scrambly at times because you're, you're on a tight deadline, you do need to go into the room with, a, with an idea of what questions you want to ask and who you want to talk to. And, you know, if one of the players is not in the room, you can go to the PR staff and say, hey, I need this guy. And, and more often than not, you know, unless the player is in the training room or, uh, you know, already started his post-game workout, which was the point I was making, you know, uh, it, the players these days, you know, they they get in and out of the dressing room to get to their post-game workouts, which they got to get in, which was not always the case when I first started covering the league. But, uh, you know, for the most part, you can get the players you need. Um, 
Let's see, in Trots We Trust says, is there a disconnect between how the local hockey media sees Lou and the Islander fans? Media treats Lou like it's still 2002 when he was winning cups with the Devils, but most Islander fans are underwhelmed by his job performance in the 20 months he's been president and GM. And, <laughs> you know, it's fine. I would agree with everything you've said there. Um, I mean, I don't think we treat Lou like it's 2002, I would say the media treats Lou as a, a veteran NHL executive. And, you know, we, we show respect for the process, if you will. I mean, you know, going up in Lou's face and, you know, just, you know, asking antagonizing, you know, questions is not going to get you very far. But if you ask Lou honest questions, he will engage with you, even though, as I mentioned earlier, he's very secretive about what he lets out. Um, but I, I do agree there is probably, uh, you know, a difference with how Islander fans grade lose job performance and, and how I would grade lose job performance. You know, uh, just to review, I came, I, I started covering the beat, uh, the Islanders beat. It was, uh, you know, what was that? March 2018, right? So I got like the last month, six weeks of, of Dougie Waite and Garth Snow. And, and I can tell you just, you know, sort of, as an outsider coming into that and then seeing the changes Lou made immediately, just in terms of, it, it was just a much more professionally run organization. As soon as Lou took over, there was much more of a, you know, uh, this is the way we do things. And uh, a lot of stuff is not going to be tolerated. And I know, you know, for fans, you know, results on the ice speak for themselves, but I mean, you know, I, I know Barry Trotz is the coach, but, you know, I don't think you can discount uh, a lose, um, lose influence in turning the performance of the team around so quickly. Now, I know this season, you know, in the off season, you guys wanted a scorer to come in. And I know at last season's trade deadline, he didn't bring in a scorer. So I understand why there's frustration with Lou, but I think you know, overall picture, and, and it starts with ownership too. This this franchise is, is in so much of a better place than when I first started covering the team that, you know, yeah, I grade Lou's performance different because Lou is running the organization. So um, let's see, uh, uh, squiggly marks or is that M? Yes, it's M. Sorry, my <laughs> one of the problems getting older is you you just don't read the screen as well. That is a lowercase m, not squiggly mark. Sorry, um, I, his it's a comment, I believe. I don't think they make the playoffs without adding a score. Trots can only take talent so far. It gets back to my previous answer. Uh, yeah, I mean Lou is going to have to. Uh, you know, obviously, I think Lou has to make a move. Um, I, I agree that Barry has done a wonderful job with the roster as presented right now. Um, Michael Cav says, um, Andrew, the only real question concerning the Islanders for the season is what the heck Lou ends up doing. It's evident to everyone that he has to make a move or two. The question is, will he? Uh, I, I believe yes. And who will he get and give up? That's really what matters from here on out. And I, I think that kind of puts a bow on everything uh, 
we've just discussed. Uh, Dr. Crentist says, what would you attribute the lack of power play time the Islanders have received so far compared to the rest of the league? And, you know, we've, we've asked Barry this several times because it is so stark with how much fewer power plays they've received, not only from the uh, the league leader, which I believe uh, the last time I checked was the Canucks, um, to, to, to the 30th place team, which I believe was the, uh, the, the Ducks. Um, I, I, I can't give you a really good answer to that. I mean, I don't think there's a conspiracy amongst the refs that no calls should be made against the Islanders. I mean, Barry, one of Barry's theories is because he has a bigger team that doesn't go down to the ice as much, they're not drawing, and Barry sort of frowns on embellishments, so the players know that, so they're not, you know, <laughs> they're not looking to, uh, you know, embellish a, a cross-check or a hook or a trip or anything like that, because, you know, they know the coach doesn't like it. Um, I think there's a fine line between embellishment and, you know, pointing out the obvious, um, and maybe the Islanders need to work in that gray zone a little bit better, um, you know, because it's not like they're not playing in front of the net and it's not like they're not going into the corners. And, you know, I, I, the other obvious reason might be is because the, the, the bench just whines too much and the refs are sick of it. But I, I don't I, I, I don't see Barry like allowing that type of behavior for too long. So I, I, I sort of discount that. Um, let's see. Uh, Sko says, is there concern about subpar special teams performance still? Uh, yes, in terms of the power play, they absolutely need to score more. You know, five-on-five five goals become scarcer and scarcer. You have to be able to connect on the power play to have real success in this league. And as of yet, the the Islanders just don't, have that power play success and you know if you look around at the best power plays they oftentimes have some of the best players in the league you know and Alex Ovechkin is a great thing to have on a power play Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang are a wonderful thing to have on a power play you know uh, not to rub salt but a, a John Tavares and an Austin Matthews are really good on the power play Connor McDavid Leon Dreitseidel you know they guy those are you know the power plays where you go ooh that's a dangerous power play and you know Matthew Barzell is is a wonderful skater and a, a wonderful playmaker, but as of yet, you know, he doesn't have a, a enough parts around him to say, oh, this is a really dangerous, you know, power play. Anders Lee does a nice job at the net cleaning up. You know, Ryan Pulak can get off a really booming shot, but it, it's just, it's not enough. They, they need, uh, you know, as much as they need another scorer, they need another guy who can really play on the on on the first power play unit? Um, how long? Uh, and this is Richie L saying. How long do you foresee Lou Lamarillo in this position, considering his advanced age? And I, I've said this. Um, I, I I think Lou Lamarillo at his age and uh, what is he? Uh, he's seventy six now. I think. Forgive me, Lou, if I I got that wrong. Um, you know, I don't want to make him older than he is, but, you know, he's in better shape than most people 20 to 25 years younger than he is are. I mean, he's he's in great shape, and he's very active, and he's very sharp, and, you know, I, I don't think Lou is going, ah, I'm going to get to 78, and this is it, you know. 
Um, I sort of thought, you know, when, when he went to Toronto, he he did have a three-year agreement with Brendan Shanahan as GM, although, you know, it, it certainly turned out that, you know, I, I think Lou would have preferred staying on as GM in Toronto. Um I, I don't think he came here thinking, you know, it's only going to be three years. I mean, maybe he was thinking this would, you know, this might be a five-year uh, deal. Yeah, I could certainly see him, like, you know, after this season. I could see him doing this another three, four, five years, honestly. I mean, if he stays in this kind of shape um, or he's, you know, kind of setting this up. Um, you know, for his son, Chris Lamarillo, to step in at some point, uh, you know, as a GM. Uh, that that would not be shocking either. Um, but, you know, I, I would say after this season, I, I, I still think, you know, Lou's got a minimum of two, three more seasons uh, where he's, you know, he's going to be very comfortable doing this. Um Hop Gravy says, uh, hey, Andrew, are you sick of answering trade questions? Also, in the locker room scrum, could you pull your phone or recorder towards yourself when asking a question? Um, Not always possible. In some scrums, you actually, uh, as crazy as it sounds, you don't have access to your own arm. You just stick your arm out and then people crowd around your arm. And if you pull the the phone out to to bring it to your mouth you're you're actually going to impact a cameraman or you know push on another person uh it's a lot of etiquette goes into these scrums and you know you you don't want to be seen as this the scrum jerk um and no i'm not i'm not sick of answering trade questions i, I like answering uh all your questions and certainly you know as you get to the feb 24th trade deadline there's going to be more and more and i think it's fun to speculate I certainly do. I wish I had, you know, better answers for you because, you know, I know, you know, I'm as interested in it as you are. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the the trades will be made and, uh, you know, you'll hear whispers and then something comes out of left field. So uh, uh, Will Forthman says, uh, have we seen the last of Thomas Hickey in an Islander uniform? Odds of him getting in a game this season or the next two seasons he signed for? Um I, I, I tend to think if Thomas Hickey is uh, healthy uh, as we get later in the season and, um, you know, the Islanders have not made a trade for another veteran defenseman, I, I could see them trying to get Hicks back up here. Uh, and again, you know, it has to do with cap too because um, you're saving money against the cap with him in Bridgeport. Um, but, you know, I could see... Uh, them doing that because I know Trotz would trust him, you know, to spread the minutes around a little more evenly than he's doing with Dobson. So I, I would tend to think we have not seen the last of Thomas Hickey in an Islander uniform. Um, I, I don't want to speak past this season because I, I could also certainly see him included in a trade. Um, or Thomas, you know, even asking for a trade, you know, if if he doesn't get called up to try and get back to the NHL. So um, Andrew is asking me. So Andrew asks Andrew in Andrew's answers. Uh, Andrew's question is, have you gotten a chance to see Simon Holmstrom play at all? He's played 29 games, uh, not a lot, but only has six points. Not sure what lines he's usually on or who or whom his line mates are. Can you fill us in with any info you have? Um, I, Off the top of my head, no, I haven't seen Simon uh, 
really play since uh, training camp. Although he was up, uh, he was up, I believe, for call up because uh, I remember talking to him and in, in the room recently. But uh, no, I, I have not gotten to see him play at Bridgeport. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have any fresh info for you. I will try and gather some as the week goes on and uh, report back. Um, Eli Strong says, uh, any chance the Islanders would look to swing a deal for Ryan Johansson of the Predators? His AAV is high at $8 million per season, but on a down year, he could possibly be had at a discount. Um, yeah, the, the, the issue there is, yes, Ryan Johansson is uh, with the Predators. Uh, he's on an eight-year, $64 million deal that runs through 2025. Um, he doesn't have any clauses on his deal, so he could be moved. Uh, I don't know if Nashville is willing to eat a lot of that contract. I I don't know why they would. You know, there's been a a slight downward trend in his numbers. He's 27, so he should still be in the prime. Uh, Again, you're, 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 you know, talking about an upgrade to the center position, but, you know, with with Barzell and Pulak and, and Taze on the hook for new deals, that's, that's a real long-term commitment that I don't think you want to saddle the club with uh, at this point. And then we'll finish with JC. What is the future of this franchise? They desperately need a change, need scoring, yet no call-ups from the minors and those that are called up never dress. Is the, is the talent that poor? If so, what happens two, three, four years down the road? I don't think you, you want to call, you know, uh, Sebastian Ajo's talent poor. I just think, you know, it's a situation where he's up, and I'm not trying to, you know, pick on Sebastian Ajo. Um, you know, he's a call-up, he's a young kid, and they need a seventh defenseman uh, just in case. Um, and, you know, Noah Dobson is the next man up, and they're going to go with their six. So, you know, I I, I, I don't want to say it's, you know, that, that that's a talent. What is the future of the franchise? I I think the future of the franchise is is pretty good. I, I think it's getting better. Uh, you know, I'd like to see again what Lou does here at the trade deadline and and going through free agency and what kind of deal Matthew Barzell winds up with um, and for how long. Now, what you don't want to happen is you know when when Lou left the Devils that that organization the, the cupboards were pretty you know bare there. Um, and you certainly don't want to see that with the Islanders. I, I don't think that's where you're at. I, I thought Lou's first couple of drafts, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about him. Um, you know, obviously Oliver Wallstrom has to get up here. You know, Noah Dobson is here. Um, uh, Wally's got to play a little bit more consistently, produce a little bit more. Uh, you still hear, you know, good things about Bodie Wild. And, you know, Simon Holmstrom, if healthy, and that was the, uh, you know, the caveat with him, uh, you know, is a a very fluid skater, you know, who could really translate that to the NHL. So I I tend to think the future is is okay for this team. Um, In two, three, four years, I mean, a couple of more solid drafts could be even better. But, uh, you know, I am not 
Kreskin here. So, <laughs> but I do think it's a pretty decent future. And and with that, we've come to the end of Andrew's answers and the end of this episode of Island Ice. I thank you all. Uh, I am your host, Andrew Gross, at Twitter at A Gross Newsday. Uh, find this episode and all episodes on the Newsday website at newsday.com backslash sports. There's an Islander homepage. You can also find uh, this podcast wherever fine podcasts can be found. Um, And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, happy hockey, everybody.